Welcome to the Digiday podcast. I'm Lara O'Reilly, Digiday's senior correspondent in London, filling in for your regular host, Brian Morrissey. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Craig Newmark to the show. Craig, as you may well know, founded the Classifieds website, Craigslist, back in the 90s, and more recently has turned to philanthropy. Craig has donated more than $100 million to journalism nonprofits, as well as organizations that support voter protection, women in technology, plus organizations geared towards veterans and military families. So, Craig, hello. Hey, it's uh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. Where are you joining us from today, Craig? Uh, today, I'm in San Francisco at home. Lovely stuff. Um, so, one thing I wanted to understand the list of media organizations you've donated to is vast and you know some of the recent recipients if i'm right the wikimedia foundation the markup the 19th the american press institute how do you go about deciding which organizations to support well i started with some really good advice from some people i've met uh, over the past decade who are seriously doing good trustworthy journalism and also discussing the ethics around all that so I started working with them, started looking outside that small group, trying to find people who are good at their job, who are good at uh, telling stories, who are good at telling stories in a trustworthy manner. And I just branched out from there. Beyond that, then, I started looking at what are some of the serious problems in journalism, like information warfare, uh, disinformation, and I'm trying to find people who are really good at this. Then I try to help. And then the hardest part of all is for me to get out of the way. I mean, so how, how does it work? Because you, you, you say that quite a lot. Um, you know, your, um, your, your remit is about kind of giving the support you can, but then taking a back seat. Um, and I, I assume that means that you don't kind of try to influence any coverage. Well, I don't really know journalism, not the way that a professional journalist does. So if you really don't know what you're doing, sometimes you back off. Um, what I do know is that we need people talking about the good work that they're doing. So I encourage people to get the word out relentlessly. And uh, I get people also to talk to each other because sometimes people doing good work in the same field, sometimes they may view each other as frenemies. And I put a lot of energy into getting people to talk with each other. I did so today in two related areas. One has to do with uh, counter harassment work. For example, harassment online is a really big problem. Harassment of women journalists is an enormous problem, and it's gotten very vicious in the last three months towards the US election. So I've reminded the team that I'm working with that we need to work faster, getting more people together, and to get loud about it, and to try to work on some means by which people can work with each other to uh, let harasser types know that that's no longer okay. I'm working with other areas too, like cybersecurity, um, which for me is part of overall information warfare. And I'm telling a group of people working on the safety of Internet of Things, I'm suggesting that people talk to each other 
work faster and get louder because they need to talk about it. So your support isn't just financial, it's your it's your network that you've built. Uh, I have built a network of networks in any specific area. When I have the network uh, built or in the process of being built, I'll turn it over to other people who are involved. For example, people who know journalism, people who know cybersecurity, people who know uh, countering harassment. The idea is that I know enough to have a conversation with people doing the work, but there's no substitute for me, no substitute for people who really know what they're doing. So I help with cash. I help with some influence. I help by nagging people to talk to each other and to talk to the public. And the worst thing I do ever probably is trying too hard to be funny. <laughs> have the frenemies got better at talking to each other, as you say, as some of these issues have really been exacerbated over the last few months? It is getting better because the people I work with know that while there's some competition for influence, attention, and funding, that particularly this year, this is an all-hands-on-deck emergency. Um, people in journalism are being attacked so that they don't do their job, but their job this year, like in 2016, the deal is that a trustworthy press is the immune system of democracy, and they recognize that in 2016, the immune system failed and the patient is sick. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed just a kind of cursory glance at the the companies that you have um, donated to and also some of the boards that you sit on, um, mostly are kind of US-based and, and you're, you've been talking a lot about the 2016 and the upcoming 2020 ele- election. Um, would you consider supporting kind of international operati- operations to those who aren't um, based here? I already am supporting some some international groups focusing mostly on uh, journalism, like the International Journalism Festival, normally held each year in uh, Perugia, Italy. There's a couple of the uh, international journalism groups uh, focusing on uh, women, like the International Women's Media Foundation, which leads the counter-harassment effort. There are some others. I talk to people in the UK, but right now the US is under attack by uh, our foreign adversaries and their domestic allies, much like is happening in the UK and other European cities. And I sometimes you have to uh, clean up at home before you can help elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so what are your kind of big concerns going into the election in, in November? I mean, clearly, um, as I mentioned at the top, you've, you're supporting um, organizations that, that support kind of voter protection. Do you have concerns about how the election will also be covered, how U.S. citizens will receive their news? We saw what happened in 2016 with misinformation. Um, and I guess just generally, the, you know, the twists and turns over the, over the next few months, especially with a, a current administration that's very adversarial towards the press and uh, sometimes the facts. Well, there are uh, two big areas of uh, concern right now. One is that we have to ensure that voting mechanisms are in place. And that means uh, vote by mail, whether you call it absentee voting or vote by mail. 
That needs to be a thing, particularly in the time of a pandemic. But in general, for a lot of people, getting to a polling place where the lines may be very long, well, we need good vote by mail and we need good vote in person, which means enlisting a lot of younger poll workers. So that's one focus. The other area is in disinformation. Our foreign adversaries and the uh, people in America who are helping our foreign adversaries, they're doing things like conducting active disinformation warfare, particularly disinformation regarding voting, voting by mail. And so I'm working with people in journalism, people who are the experts in voting. I'm helping them fight back and to take the battle to the enemy. So I, w- I want to talk about Craigslist in a moment as well, but um, before we get on to that, um, just keeping on the topic of, of media, I mean, you've been described as both kind of a newspaper villain and um, a news, new kind of friend to journalism, um, and yet you were a programmer by trade. Uh, what, what was it that kind of drew you to that side, um, to this sector? I mean, did you ever have aspirations of becoming a journalist? Why is journalism so important to you in particular? Well... In 1970, my uh, high school U.S. history and civics teacher uh, taught us about the importance of a free press. A trustworthy press is the immune system of democracy. That's where that comes from. In 2006, I stumbled onto a meeting at the Aspen Institute, which had to do with the role of the press and new technologies in preserving the American democracy. I started thinking about it, getting to meet people who started to educate me in journalism. And then I just learned more and more, was starting to ramp up support for journalism in, let's say, the 2015 area. Then in 2016, I saw how badly uh, things went. I started getting more and more help, and I found people who wanted to uh, restore, promote, and accelerate trustworthy journalism. And uh, that's what I've been doing. As for the Craigslist effect, uh, economists and industry analysts approached me. They showed me the actual numbers showing that the decline in newspaper revenues started with the introduction of TV news in the 50s, um, just about when I was born. Now, I don't think there's any connection between my birth and the decline of that revenue. And my instincts tell me Craigslist must have had some effect, but the economists can't find one. I mean, when when did you realize that the monetization, we should come to the founding story actually, really. So kind of 1995, mid-90s in San Francisco, you started a, an email list to your friends listing all the kind of local events. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, when did you kind of realize you had an actual company on your hands? Um, in 98, when we were trying to run on a volunteer basis, some of the people paying for job postings cornered me over some uh, rather good lunch. And they told me things weren't working on a volunteer basis, that for the thing to survive, it had to become a real company. I could see that was the truth. And I had to make one big decision. Um, Bankers and venture capitalists wanted to throw huge amounts of money at me, like millions, to do the usual Silicon Valley thing. But in the Sunday school, Mr. and Mrs. Levin 
taught me, among other things, that you want to know when enough is enough. And so I decided, uh, as I made Craigslist into a company, that we would uh, minimally monetize. That felt like the right thing to do. Not the altruistic thing, just the right thing to do along the lines of knowing when enough is enough. And I'm pretty uh, pleased with that decision. It's worked out pretty well. And uh, our new CEO, Jim Buckmaster, maintained that tradition. Um, the second huge revelation, along with the modern decision decision, is that within a year, I realized that as a manager, I suck. <laughs> and so I uh, hired Jim in that role. I went into full-time customer service. Although in the last five years, I realized nobody there needs me and I've retired. Coming back to what you were saying before about kind of TV news being a, a bigger contributor to um, newspapers decline. I mean, it, it's probably important just to address the, the kind of the newspaper villain um, character that has, has been made. I mean, when did you realize that the, you know, what the effect of the monetization of your business could have on the news industry, however big, or had, had the horse already bolted by the time you had kind of realized that? Well, it started to occur to me, let's say, oh, I don't know, it could be in the uh, 2000s. Um, and I thought that there might be some effect. But over the last five years, economists and industry analysts like uh, Ken Doctor or Thomas Bechtel or Jeremy Litow, out of the blue, did the analyses, showed me the charts, and it uh, shows newspaper revenue declining starting in the early 50s. Uh, it went down more precipitously in 2008 and 2009 when the big guys started getting things done. Uh, and that's about it. I asked them to show me what blip I could see due to Craigslist, and they couldn't show me one. I mean, my instincts tell me Craigslist must have had some effect, but the economist... Uh, have not been able to show me one. I mean, over the years, Craigslist had some kind of well-documented issues as well with kind of criminals using the site to go about their their illegal business, and some of it was kind of truly horrific. And I, I know you you handed over the reins a long, long time ago. Um, but what what were your kind of single beyond realizing that um, maybe management wasn't your thing? Um, what were the kind of biggest challenges or perhaps the single biggest challenge you had when you when you were running the company anything you might have done differently the problems i had oh after craigslist became a big success and after i turned the reins over were that for uh, one reason or another sometimes people would post uh, disinformation regarding the site and that's something i really didn't understand things like clickbait and so on or just the uh, complete fabrication of uh, things like uh, revenue numbers or whatever. Uh, as a nerd and as an engineer, that's something I just don't get. But when it comes to the company, I'm not a spokesman, so I can't address that. I can only address the issues relating to my own uh, revenue or, uh, or net worth or something like that. Okay. So I, I wanted to switch back to, to journalism now, as clearly as it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a subject close to your heart. Um, as you mentioned, um, that real precipitous decline um, 
that happened kind of, you know, 20, 2008 and, and has just kind of continued. I mean, this year has been terrible. News media is clearly in a crisis. We've had kind of at least 10,000 media jobs lost in the first half of this year, if not more predictions for a second wave um, with more journalists losing their jobs than this, than during the financial crisis, really. Um, and we're witnessing this kind of growing number of news deserts, not just in the States, but around the world. I mean, do you think 2020 will be the bottom um, or is this only going one way? Um, I'm not an industry analyst. Uh, what I'm seeing is that journalism is evolving in different ways that I don't understand. Uh, my deal is that I know local journalism is really important, so I've contributed heavily to that. And I've contributed heavily to the education of new journalists, particularly at the City University of New York. What's important about CUNY to me is that historically, over decades or maybe a century, I don't know, CUNY has helped a great deal of New Yorkers graduate from lower classes to the middle class. That's been my history. And I figure that we need good journalism and we need also to get people the education they need to uh, get better jobs for themselves and their families. So that's all I know as an outsider looking in, instead of analyzing the problem, I can see the analysis has been, that has been done and I can really support uh, solutions. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's worth pointing out that the, um, the Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY is, is named after Craig. Um, I mean, it, that's an interesting point because I, mean, I, I, mean, I remember I was at journalism school during the last financial crisis and like journal, many journalism courses, we used to have visiting journalists give, deliver guest lectures. And I, I can't count the number of times when they kind of joked you know, that people were, were asking advice for, you know, how do I break into journalism? And, and the journalist would reply, don't. And, and I just kind of wonder if the same thing's happening now, if, if there's kind of, what, what reasons are there for people kind of aspiring after journalism careers to, to feel optimistic, just given the kind of the bleak commercial outlook at the moment? Um, I guess in my case, it's a naive faith that we will see a renewal of journalism because... Mm -hmm. The journalists that want to practice in a trustworthy way, I think, will thrive because I think we all crave news that we can trust. And I do think the attacks against our country regarding information warfare, I think we're going to see those uh, failing. So I see opportunity for good actors and bad actors will have to find other areas to uh, be bad in. Um, to this extent this year, I'm really trying to punch far above my weight. So, I mean, over the last several years, I've, I've contributed, I can now say over 175 million to this broad, broad spectrum of information warfare. A lot of that is journalism, some of it's cybersecurity or counter harassment. But the idea is that given the crisis this year, I'm a small funder, but still feel the need to punch far above my weight. I can say that I've contributed uh, well over well over half my uh, net worth. And I guess I, I don't know how to lead, really. 
but I can lead by example. And maybe that counts. That, that's interesting because there's, there's a lot out there on, on the internet of estimating your, your potential net worth. And I mean, clearly it's, um, it's a subject of interest in the media industry because um, people are, are, are looking to you for um, support and, and, and donations. So um, well, if, I, if I'm doing the math, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at just under 400. But I guess you've given it away. So um, Yeah. If someone's looking for accurate reports on any revenue to do with me, uh, they're not going to find it because the only stuff that's there has been uh, fabricated. Um, however, it is true that, uh, again, I've given away more than half already. And, oh, you just can't rely on any other reporting of that. I might enjoy thinking of myself as a billionaire, but no one needs a billion dollars <laughs> except maybe to give away. And remember my Sunday school teachers, no, you know, you need to know when enough is enough. Indeed, indeed. And so back back to kind of optimism um, then. Um, I mean, I guess the other thing as well is, is not just about kind of protection of, of journalists, but also from, you know, from a commercial point of view is perhaps not relying on the same old kind of advertising models Um that we have done for the the past couple of decades, at, le at least online. Um, I, you know, you were you were an early pioneer of of internet advertising. I wonder what you make of the state of kind of data driven advertising on on the web now. I'm not fond of advertisements personally. I like to uh, skip them. Forgive me, um, because most uh, aren't meaningful for me. What I want to see a lot more is sponsorship models, membership models philanthropically based models. NPR is very good in that regards. So is Consumer Reports. The idea is that I want a range of options. I want people to be able to pay for news or any entertainment via advertising. I also want sponsorships models, again, philanthropy. I want all the above. And I think this hybrid will succeed and thrive indefinitely. Um, however, again, I want the option if I want to pay or skip, uh, my preference right now is to pay for publications and I already pay depending on how you count for 20 or so, if I include both news and entertainment. Okay. Um, which, which ones out of interest? In terms of news publications, and I'm going to Forget important ones, but Washington <laughs> Sorry, Post. Sorry, I think a spot. Yeah, New York Times, uh, Vanity Fair, Wired, uh, Political Wire. I'm forgetting some. I also make contributions through mm -hmm. models like uh, Patreon. And when it comes to entertainment, I've cut the cord and I do a lot of uh, streaming. Um, I wanted to, to move back to, we were talking about kind of Google and Facebook earlier, and there's there's little doubt that Google and Facebook have, have had a, a big impact on publisher ad revenues, put it that way. Um, and and they, have, they have done some things um, in terms of, you know, offering grants to newsrooms during the coronavirus crisis. And Google has a news initiative in, in Europe and, and so on. But uh, do you think they should be doing more to um, support journalism worldwide? 
I think the big guys should be doing more to help journalism. But first things first, given the crisis in this year, I think they need to do what their people are telling them to, well, when it's easy to do, to discourage uh, disinformation operating from their sites. They're, no, combating disinformation is really, really hard, except when the when there are frequent abusers of information, when they make themselves very obvious, maybe you could do something about that in a manner which is fair to everyone. And I'd encourage the social media giants to do the easy stuff, to do what their own people are telling them they want, and then to be prepared to take a certain amount of uh, heat. Uh, I can tell you it's no fun to take that heat, especially if you're subject to uh, disinformation or even dirty tricks. But right now, the country's survival relies on the uh, social media giants to stand up and do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they certainly felt the heat uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had the, the big tech antitrust hearing. In, well, it was billed as the antitrust hearing uh, in Congress. Um, where do you think the, the lawmakers should be focusing their attention as it pertains to the, um, the big four? Uh, I think it should be on uh, information warfare. Uh, waged again by our foreign adversaries and by their domestic allies. The social media platform uh, know who the bad actors are. They know who the uh, foreign adversaries are. They know who their domestic allies are. And they should take uh, action against all of them. And they do know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, fundamentally, do you think the internet is a kind of a, a good or bad place at the moment? The internet is a whole big set of tools. We need better tools, but uh, already the internet does a great deal of good and is also doing some substantial bad. My focus is on the mundane and boring because I aspire to as much boredom as I can generate. Uh, Craigslist, for example, is about helping someone put food on the table. And then Craigslist is about helping you get a table. And then Craigslist is about helping you put a roof over that table. That's mundane and boring. But most of our lives are mundane and boring. Yeah, mine, mine certainly is. Um, so, so what's coming <laughs> up then? Um, like election aside, um, I mean, well, actually not, not aside really. I guess, you know, what else is in the, the calendar this year? I mean, are you gearing up to make yeah, a, a considerable amount of uh, donations this year too, uh, as as we you know we're running down towards November now. Well, that's in process. Uh, some new ones are approved that I can't uh, yet announce, or have been recently announced. Of the recently announced ones, my favorite is to support the cybersecurity programs of the Girl Scouts of America. Uh, they're doing good work. And it reminds me that I'm not as smart as a Girl Scout. (laughs) Uh, I'm supporting a number of efforts in the uh, Black Media Initiative, which is led by Aaron Foley at the uh, CUNY uh, Journalism School. Some of the announcements that have been made already involve the uh, racial equity and journalism effort, and more may be coming. Then there's the uh, Maynard Institute 
and others. Uh, in the near term, I'll be announcing a major contribution uh, involving a journalism school at a historically uh, black university. Um, so all that's coming uh, for that matter. We need more work being done regarding cybersecurity for the Internet of Things. Mm -hmm. uh, and that involves consumer reports. Like I like to say, I love watching TV. I do not love TV watching me. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. We don't want to go down the minority report route. Um, and then in terms of the in the, in the media space, in particular, you know, news, news space in particular, do you have anything cooking there? Um, not much specifically. It, it involves reinforcing work already done. For example, uh, New York is the center of national and maybe world news media. And yet, to a large extent, New York is a news desert. That's why I've contributed heavily to the, uh, oh, uh, to WNYC, to the Gothamist, which has a very good vermin beat. They have my favorite pizza rat coverage. Pizza rat. <laughs> yes. I've, I've supported the city.new york, the city.nyc. Uh, more broadly, it's just been announced that I've heavily supported the 19th, mm -hmm. which is a new publication focusing on uh, politics, uh, particularly as it regards to uh, women's policy and a lot more. That, that was just announced. Yeah. And I'm heavily with the American Journalism Project, which has to do with business models for small local or regional papers. A lot's going on. I can I learn enough to uh, help in some reasonably meaningful way. And then, aside from trying to be funny, I tend to get out of the way. <laughs> well, I, I best let you get back to it. Craig, thank you ever so much for joining us. Hey, it's uh, my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening to the Digi Day podcast. Please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. And you can even rate us on Apple Podcasts if that's your thing. We'll be back next week with a new episode featuring Chris Best, CEO of Substack. Substack.